Over time, I've come to the understanding of how some people, due to the things they've witnessed and um, have experienced in life, have a really hard time connecting to or even acknowledging God, especially God as Father. Um, and, you know, it can stem from various situations. I know that just because I was introduced at an early age and was able to accept and acknowledge God as Father and Jesus as friend doesn't mean that, that, that you know, that's everyone's experience. So much goes into our understanding and acknowledging of God as such. And what I have had the honor to learn is that why some have had more of a harder time making that connection. Some didn't have a great earthly father, one that represents love to them, but one that represents hurt and trauma and danger. So how could they accept or acknowledge God as father, let alone a loving father? All the love of their father that they can see, who is supposed to be a model or a representation of the father they can't see, was pain and they don't want a part of that life. So there are, you know, other people that I I've sat with particularly whose vocations or life path, um, is of such that they can't understand it. Some of them are like firefighters or police officers, military personnel, some medical professionals, even because of the things they've witnessed and the things that they've seen that they simply can't unsee. It has them question if there's a God and we are his children, then how can he allow these things to happen to his children? The babies, you know, things that heinous acts against men and women, but also the babies, the children, the little babies. And I understand that. And while I have no answer to that, I don't know why things happen, but I just know that scriptures teach us that God is God and we can't always understand his ways, um, just as our children can't always understand our ways when we tell them what to do. Why? <laughs> but if we allow him access to our hearts, if you give him access to your heart and you open up without, even if you have expectations or you don't, just opening your heart, he has a way of showing up in inexplainable and unimaginable ways that if you're just open to his existence, even if you say, God, if you are real, then, you know, um, he's going to help you learn and experience his love for you. If you just invite him in, you can even be one of his stubborn children and throw a tantrum, whatever. He's not tripping. He's not offended or put off by you. <laughs> Come on. But if you just keep seeking him and looking for him, he's going to be found. That's what we're taught. We're taught to seek and ask and then wait patiently and be open to see him and experience him in a way that we may not actually be able to fathom. And I only know this because that's been my experience as well. He's going to show up. And you know why he shows up? Because he loves us. God loves you and he cares for you. And once you begin to get to know him as he relates to your personal life, your personal, every relationship is personal. He'll even take you back and you'll be able to see where he was there, where he was, 
getting you through that moment and where he brought you through a moment that you didn't even know, you weren't even thinking about him at the time because your relationship on your side wasn't strong. You know, as a parent, sometimes our kids, they just don't understand how much we love them. <laughs> I find that it's, it's not something they can quantify because they just don't have uh, a measure, anything to measure it by. But that doesn't mean that a loving parent, that their love is any less or any less powerful just because their child doesn't really know. Like, I'm clothing and feeding you because I love you. I want you to be warm. I want you to be nourished. And they usually don't figure that out until they become a parent. But God's the same way. Just because we don't know he's there helping us through, getting us through, saving us, all the things that we don't know he saves us from doesn't mean that he's not there doesn't mean that it's it's he's less powerful it's not about our acknowledgement of him although that helps us on our end on his end he's going to be god regardless so i just pray that more people will just open their hearts and just ask him invite him in because once you do things start to change you start to change as you start to walk together. That relationship is so, so, so deep and important. And it helps you change. It helps you change everything. Because after a while, you, you're just like, I want to honor this relationship. Just like you do with your other relationships that you're deeply fond of, you're deeply honoring. Just open up your heart a little more. And if your heart's already been open, keep opening it. Keep seeking. Because there's more. There's always more. He's got so much more. All right? Y'all ready? Let's go. The man Just when you Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, lovers. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Shahira, and you are listening to the Love Manifested podcast, where we have authentic conversations to inspire, encourage, and empower you in seeking your personal relationship with God. We believe that God is love. It is the very purpose and nature of him and the makeup of his character. And our hope here is to illuminate love manifested in each other so that we can uh, see better, you know, having more spiritual vis vision and discernment, choose better in the decisions that arise today, but impact our tomorrow and be better all around for ourselves and those we do life with. And we do that by sharing our experiences through conversation. Of course, it's through conversation. <laughs> so you guys... I've been waiting for this day. And I have in front of me, um, as you all know, we have a heart culture here on Love Manifested. And I love to introduce our guests' hearts 
over their titles because I want you to get to know them authentically by who they are, not necessarily what they do. And so um, I'm very excited and extremely honored, blessed, just all of, the, all of them, all of it to have and welcome this person who's sitting across from me right now. <laughs> Took some time to get him here, which is, I don't even know why, but um, how would I describe this man that's looking at me right now? First of all, um, his heart is, it's, it's just very sweet. He is, um, his heart is pure and it's gentle in nature. And it's also fiercely protective. Um, He's humble. Um, His heart is determined, one of determination, Um, tenacious, very tenacious. And it is also teachable. And with a combination like that, what's not to love? So please stand on your feet, give a round of applause. We call him, well, they call him, Mr. Roger. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Mr. Roger. How are you? (laughs) I am so good. I'm a little bit nervous because, um, as I made mention, it feels like I'm in the principal's office. (laughs) And I'm taking a hearing test at the same time because, you know what, I am just not used to having headphones or a microphone and... It's like, oh boy, what did I get myself into kind of a thing. So um, thank you for having me on your podcast. You know, I I really appreciate what you do and uh, I get the utmost pleasure to watch you operating in your calling and to see that you answered the call for the podcast for Love Manifested for Survivors of the World. It's amazing to have this ringside seat watching you operate um, and being obedient to mm. your calling. And I love that about you. Wow. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate what you said. <laughs> and the reason he gets a ringside seat is because he is my loving husband. That would be me. <laughs> And so he has been able to witness, um, wow, the impregnation of um, this project and all that it has taken to give birth to it. And from the first parts with the website and, you know, maneuvering all the other things that I do and all the fear and the doubt and the ups and the downs. And he has encouraged and inspired me and reminded me of um, what I'm supposed to be doing and helped me along the way with so many others. But I don't know, y'all. His word is just has a little bit more weight. (laughs) Well, back in my description, you know, one thing you forgot was cheerleader. Oh, yes. Okay? I'm your number one cheerleader. I'm your number one fan. So that's one of the roles that I occupy in your life. Oh, babe. That's awesome. I thank you for that, and I appreciate that. So, um... I, I'm just, I'm very excited because um, when you and I met and you at some point early on in our, um, we were just friends, 
early on in our friendship, you started telling me things about your story. And immediately, it's like the spirit was just speaking to me and showing me the impact that your story has. And I, I look forward to you telling it more um, one day. And um, I look forward to being your cheerleader as you do that. And as you move forward in, um, I know God's calling you to help many um, husbands, sons, brothers, and wives with understanding of um, the things that you've endured. And so today, I'm just happy to have you here. <laughs> he <laughs> was so nervous, here. you guys. He's so cute. He's just like, I don't want to hear myself on the microphone on, and in the headphones. Everybody says that. And then they get here and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Well, this one, he puts the headphones on. He's like, I, I feel like I'm in the principal's office. I feel like I'm, I'm having a hearing test. I'm like, both of those are <laughs> accurate, but are there candles and roses in your principal's office and in the hearing test? Mm, I don't think so. No, that's never happened in my life. But you know what? <laughs> I'm open for all kinds of experiences, so we'll see. Yes, so when we met, we were um, actually both going through a lot. I never talk about what I was going through that time. We always talk about, you know, you being in a situation, in a place. But we were both going through a lot, and we met uh, working out, kickboxing. And um, it was a really crazy story, but all in all in all in all, and we'll maybe tell our story another time, um, but <laughs> all in all in all in all, we ended up... Um, learning and understanding the power of God bringing when his timing, how impeccable his timing can be. Because lo and behold, we had been in proximity to each other for many years and never knew it. And we should have passed each other at some point. We, we ran in the same circles. We both ride motorcycles. One of the people he taught to ride motorcycle, I had befriended and was going to go on a ride with them, but then I changed my mind, and um, we were at the same bike night when my mother's motorcycle won the, what is it? the Best in show. Best in show, okay. Yeah. Sees how much that, <laughs> <laughs> how much, that was an accident. She just parked there, <laughs> and she won, and he saw her bike, and we never even met until that morning. And our meeting was very, um, I didn't know it, but it was very spiritual for you. Oh, it was more than spiritual for me. So. It um, was very impactful. And I experienced uh, something that I've never, ever known before. And that was panic. <laughs> I'd never felt panic prior to, prior to that. But now I know what it feels like. And, um, and it's interesting, as you spoke, our, our social circles overlapped. And yeah. yet we never met each other. And we're talking for years. For years. Several years. Yeah. And um, you're right. The timing was absolutely impeccable. Because truly, if it was up to us, oh yeah, we would have messed that timing all up. You can say that again for the people in the back, because I totally would have. And, you know, it's so amazing that um, we got to meet each other and that we got to take this journey together. Um, like I said, we're going to get a little bit more into that on our next episode. But for today, that's how we met. And we became, we developed a friendship. And we became friends for many months before we had any type of date. 
And our first date was an afternoon one. <laughs> it wasn't even a date. It was just going to lunch. But um, So is you. <laughs> listen, I knew what I was doing. Oh, and I knew what I was doing. And here we are. So <laughs> Behave yourself. Mm. Anyway. So, um, yeah, it, this, is, this is a little different for me today because <laughs> I'm trying, trying to keep everything inside. Y'all, if you so, can see this, she looks like a little girl over here. She's just teehing and giggling and, you know, she's flashing her eyes at me and showing me all of her teeth. Look at you. Why are you telling them that? <laughs> anyway, let's switch gears a little bit before mm-hmm. we, get, we start losing listeners here. But, um, yeah, so we made it through a lot and um, it was beautiful. The timing, I'm telling y'all, when God lines it up, and uh, you just show up and things happen and then you don't mess it up because that could have happened. It almost happened. Um, it's something that has potential to last and be good. So, Roger, do you know what time it is? What time is it? It's my favorite time of the episode. Your favorite time? My favorite right. time. What time is it? It is love happy hour time. Yeah. So happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my singing at the end there. You know I can't sing. I don't have a musical bone in my body, but whatever. I just love that. <laughs> it's love happy hour time. So this yeah. is when I asked our guests to bring something that um that they love and it i i'm the reason i love it so much um is because people actually bring things they love and they're not always um something tangible but they bring what they love and that's the only requirement so mr roger hmm what did you bring today that you absolutely love, that you want to share? Today, one of the things that I brought that I want to share is this lovely bottle of wine mm-hmm. from one of our favorite wineries in Templeton, California. For those of you who don't know, that's in Central California. Mm-hmm. It is uh, west of the Paso Robles area. Mm-hmm. And this particular vineyard and vinter is called Opolo. Yes. And this is a beautiful, beautiful vineyard. Um, one of our favorite wines there is this, the Mountain Zinfandel. Yes. Yay. Now, if y'all are into wine, check out the Central Coast, and particularly this winery. This winery is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. We uh, had the good fortune to stay in one of their um, B&Bs mm-hmm. one time. I'd love to go back. Yeah. But um, what I really enjoyed about that uh, particular visit was that the uh, innkeeper uh, put together a um, charcuterie plate for us and instructed us to drive up to the top of the vineyard. Yeah. And when you get to the top of the vineyard, there's like two acres of the most beautifully manicured grass that you've ever seen. And um, in that sitting there and just enjoying each other and enjoying some wine, and my lovely wife over here stealing grapes off the vineyard, off the vine, so... She can see what chef they taste like. Chef is as chef does. That's true. Yes, it's true. That's what they do. We do that. Um, How could you not be there and not? You have the whole place to yourself. The entire. It was vineyard, just us. The two us. of us had the keys to the kingdom. We literally did, 
and the grapes were there on the side and they were saying, pick me, taste me. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? Okay, I'll taste you. You taste yummy. <laughs> Sorry, continue. But it's interesting. You said um, the keys to the kingdom. And oh, yeah. there was a moment yeah. um, when the sun was setting and we were sitting at a picnic table. There's two picnic tables in this area. And if you faced west and watching the sunset, you can feel the cool breeze stroke across your face, but you still feel the at heat the of ocean. the sun on your back. Yeah. And there were animals abound. Mm -hmm. There were turkeys and <laughs> yeah. there were raccoons and, and rabbits and all kinds of things just kind of running around. And when you speak of the kingdom, I'm thinking, wow, it must be a lot like this. Mm, just free animals roaming freely, beautiful, lush grass, vineyards. He said he was the vine. Wow. And what more could you ask for? I mean, it was yeah. absolutely a beautiful, beautiful time. So this wine has... A very special meaning uh, to me, yeah. and I know it does to you too. The the color, the aroma, the taste of it, especially when it opens up, it's yeah. amazing. And when I taste it, I taste um, relationship with you, with mm. God, with love. Mm. I love, love this wine. So this is what I'm sharing with you today. I'm so excited because I can't wait to share share back with you. <laughs> And of course, we'll post a picture and we'll tag Opalo because they know us. <laughs> they sure do. We love it. We love that place. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. If you're ever in the central coast of California, please go and check out their tasting room. They have delicious pizzas and um, different things for you to sample. And all the wine is, is just delicious. It's wonderful. And it's a nice, fun experience. And they're one of the few, well, I can't say that. They're one that I know about that they have this huge festival in October that we can never get to because mm. it's the same weekend as my mother's birthday. But, hey, we'll get there at some point where you get to go and you get to help them bottle and you get to stomp grapes. You guys mm -hmm. remember that episode of I Love Lucy when they're stomping the grapes? <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, you get to stomp grapes. So we look forward to one day getting do. to do that. We do. You know, another thing I enjoy about the winery is the names of some of the wines. <laughs> you know, um, they have a special meaning, uh, not only with me, but uh, with you too. Yeah. And we found that out when we first got there. It was a very, a lot of things that happen between you and I are very spiritual and you can't make them up. Like, that's true. The, the that's way true. things happen. We're just like, really? You know, we had been um, enjoying this wine for many months and probably a couple years before we actually went there. And the first time we walk in, <laughs> we're looking, we're so excited to be there, you know, and we were talking about my father as we were driving up. And um, I forget what we were talking about him, but it was just so, so kind of strange and beautiful and brought me to tears at the same time because we walk in and the first um the first wine name that I see of a bottle of wine is maestro and I was like Roger do you see this it says maestro <laughs> and he's like you know him he'll just be like oh, well of course we're in the right place and I'm just like are you kidding me that's what my the world has affectionately called my father, the maestro. And then the next bottle, a little, you know, what, five, ten feet away from it, 
was called Rhapsody. And I was like, oh my <laughs> Here goodness. Here we go. Yeah. Here we, we go. go. My father has an album named Rhapsody in White. And there was, Seren- was the other one? Serenade. Serenade was one, yeah. My, one of my favorite orchestra songs from my father's orchestra, the Love Unlimited or- Orchestra, is called Love's Serenade. Serenade. So at this point, I'm in full tears of joy. Like, we knew we loved this wine, mm-hmm. and this is why. You know, it was like our fa- my father's spirit was kind of like, he goes on a lot of adventures with us in he that does, way. And does. so I, I thought that was great, and we've loved it, and we've been there several times. But We have, and, you know, I enjoy the people. Uh, yeah. Not only the people who um, are blessed enough to work there, but yeah. the people that we meet, the other patrons that we meet. Oh, yeah. We've had extraordinary experiences with very, very kind, very nice people. Yeah, that's true. So thank you for bringing something that you love, that I love, that we love. (laughs) And um, yeah, that's pretty cool. It is. So as you know, we have our moment where we, I'm going to give you a word. And you're so funny. You thought you were going to get special privileges. I was hoping so. I mean, you know. (laughs) You talk about introducing people by their heart, not their title, but don't I get a little kind no. of an inside no, sort of No, you a... don't get nothing inside So this is the part nothing. that I'm nervous about because I have no idea what this word is. Just like I hope those? it's something that I know <laughs> so I don't look foolish as compared to your other guests. Your other guests are so articulate and so lovely. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sweating over here. I'm nervous. So <laughs> You're funny. Give, give me a softball. <laughs> On a curve. It's an English word. So you'll oh, know it. I'm halfway there. And nobody, no one gets to know their word, babe. <laughs> they don't get to know, I don't tell them beforehand. That's the whole point. First thing that comes to mind. So having said all that, oh, you're so cute. You're <laughs> nervous. You're blushing. Okay. okay. Having said all that, mm-hmm. your word is survivor. Oh, wow. This is something that I do. Uh, have some experience with. So what's the first Um, thing that comes to your mind when I say to you, Survivor? Survivor. Um, Overcome. Overcomer. Against against all odds. Against uh, all likelihood. Mm. To um, be able to see through and experience um, the other side. Um, It's interesting, you know, most people don't know that I have a, a military background mm-hmm. and coming from a very rural, isolated area in the Northeast, um, you had to either adapt, overcome or improvise. And these are skills that are required for survival. And I tie the word survival to uh, overcoming. Yeah. Uh, to me, they're, they're synonymous. Um, you can't survive without overcoming something. Mm-hmm. So... And, and against all odds. And that requires a specific mindset as well as a heart set. Mm. Um, for me, um, I was kind of forced into that at a very early age to be able to survive. And I'm so fortunate that um, that was instilled and ingrained in me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm still here. Yeah. So early age... <clears throat> Early age. Let's talk about it. How did we get there? What happened? Like, you know, what does that mean for you? What did that look like? Okay, well, growing up in a rural, isolated area, 
Um, uh, my parents weren't uh, present um, during my childhood. Uh, I had three other siblings. Mm. Um, we lived in a, such a remote area that we oftentimes didn't have electricity. We didn't have running water. We didn't have indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. And um, as an eight-year-old, um, one of the farmers that I worked for at the time had given me a rifle so I could hunt game to feed my siblings. Um, so it started off there. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked uh, two jobs at two different farms. One was a dairy farm mm-hmm. and one was a produce farm. And I started at six years old getting paid 25 cents an hour. <laughs> 25 cents an hour. Wow. So was that a lot of money to you back then? I had nothing to judge it against. Right, so you were like, yeah, this is great. I I had no idea. Hmm. Um, And then my mom would take that money and she would do silly things with it, and Hmm. that's just kind of how it went. So um, in any event, um, my childhood became much more difficult after that uh, with my parents' conduct. Um, My mother made several attempts on my life. I survived Every one of those. Your first, that's your first. The, the day I was born, um, on the way back from the hospital, my mom and dad are in the car. I'm swaddled, and they got into an argument, and my mom tossed me out onto the freeway. And my grandparents went back and were able to find me in the ditch on the side of the freeway uh, and brought me home and cared for me for a few weeks before they returned me back to my parents. So it kind of started from there. Um, I survived extraordinary abuse, um, electrocutions, beatings, um, drownings. I survived mm-hmm. two drownings. Drowning attempts. Drowning attempts. Um, and yet I'm still here. So clearly my assignment on this planet, on this earth, is not done yet. Mm. Um, I left home when I was 15, joined the military when I was 17. I forged my parents' signature so I could go. <laughs> Um, when I was 15 years old, uh, one of the farmers that I worked for Mm -hmm. built a little kind of a bedroom, sort of an apartment thing inside the milk house of a dairy barn Mm -hmm. and told me that, um, if I maintain a B average, I could stay there, Mm -hmm. um, as long as I wanted to. God bless him. And, um, I worked there at 4 o'clock in the morning for a 4.30 milking and then 4.30 in the afternoon. And then I worked at the produce farm outside of that. So off to the military I go, um, which was fantastic for me. Yeah. I went to boot camp in San Diego. Okay. And so you're from, and you said northeast, but I'm going to say New York. Way upstate New York. <laughs> Damn uh, near Canada. And it is. <laughs> and in fact, it's, it's so small, it isn't really on a map. Um, <laughs> It is, it's a town of 85 people today. Back then it was about 150, but it's about 85 people today. Yeah. Some of y'all got out. Some of us got out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we really had to because there wasn't really any economy there. Yeah. There wasn't any um, closeness or um, very close relationships with people there. Mm. It's one of those places where people know everyone's surname, but people keep to themselves. Okay. It's kind of that you don't bother me, I don't bother you. We're cool. It's like one of those of towns that you see on TV that you drive through and nobody's really stopping there because there's nothing really to stop and do. They yeah. just drive through. You know how when you're driving across country or you're driving yeah. to another state, there's those parts that you just drive through, but people live there. 
Yeah, you don't even drive through this. It's off. It's oh, way it's off, off the beating, the beating path. path. It's oh. way off the beating path. You don't even drive through it. Oh. There, there's one intersection. Um, there's no street lights. There's no cops. There's no. There's a volunteer fire department several miles away. Mm, it's one of those. Um, too. It's one of those kinds of places. What's it called? A hamlet. It's a hamlet. <laughs> Look at you. I remember. See, I pay attention yeah. when you're talking, baby. Yeah. A hamlet has fewer than 100 people, mm. so the mm. population mm. here is uh, 85. And here, I thought Hamlet was Mel Gibson. No, oh, no, look at you. <laughs> Just kidding. You better settle your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. She has a type, you know, y'all. And she's really consistent with her type, so. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> anyway. Carry anyway. on. Um, when I went up to the military, um, I got to boot camp. I got regular meals. I'm like, wow, this is great. Yes. Um, but I was also in a dark place, too. Yeah. So after I left boot camp, um, I went to my first duty station. Uh, I survived a bombing. <laughs> and then I survived two more bombings after that. And um, ultimately, uh, I volunteered for a lot of the craziest, potentially least successful types of uh, missions and exercises because I really didn't feel as if uh, um, that my life had a whole lot of value at the time. So I decided that if I'm going to go, I might as well go defending my country. Not mm. that I was being suicidal or anything like that. That's not where no. I was. But I didn't value myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> despite the fact, you know, I was able to develop survival skills. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> it's always... Uh, a lot for me to hear this story because I don't feel like any child should have to experience some of the things that you describe and the details that you describe but I know and that's why it hurts me deeply is I know that this is a lot of people's stories with different details but very similar that children are are experiencing these types of heinous beginnings to life and um that's one of the reasons why I wanted you here because I wanted, we are all about sharing our stories and um, helping people realize and understand that um, my story may look like this, but I'm still here. Yeah. So, and for so many, so many kids get thrust into adulthood. Yeah. As a child, you haven't even grown, you haven't even developed yet. You don't know anything. You don't. You and then you get thrust anything. into a position. In my particular case, I had three siblings to take care of. Yeah. And no real means to do that. Save having worked and continued to work on those two, two farms. And the farmers were very sympathetic. They were very generous mm. in allowing me to bring home fruits and vegetables and um, milks and dairy and cheeses and eggs and things like that to feed my siblings. In addition to, um, one of the farmers that I worked for uh, couldn't afford to pay me at one point, and he would pay me in livestock. Hmm. So I would get piglets or I would get a calf or something like that to raise, you know, to take to market and to uh, either sell or to slaughter to feed my family. Hmm. So that wasn't really my responsibility to feed my family, but <laughs> that's the position that I found myself in. Yeah, they were the firstborn. And there you have it. And you're the firstborn. So you took it on yourself because you have a tenacious heart and a fiercely protective heart. That's true. 
But they gave you a piglet, babe, a little, little cute one? Was it well, cute? Well, so it's a funny story. I got two piglets, <laughs> and I named them. You're going to name the one you're going to sell? What I did. Of, I named them. I named both of them. What kind of treachery so, is this? And I don't even know what. So one of them I named Mommy, and the other one I named Cindy. <laughs> and I don't even know why I named them that. But uh, I was a kid. Come on. <laughs> Those Mommy are such and Cindy. kid names. <laughs> wow. So Mommy mm-hmm. ended up killing somebody. What? Yeah, Mommy I'm- got loose from the farm and was walking around the road. You know, in between my house uh, where I grew up and where the farm was. And a drunk driver (gasps) was driving his Ford Pinto and and hit mommy and stopped the car completely. The driver went through the windshield, (gasps) passed mommy, landed on the road, and died. How big was she? 800 pounds. She wasn't a piglet, babe? No, she was a big girl at that point. So she was 800 pounds at that point, but stopped the Pinto. That's devastating. Yeah, so... You didn't. She survived and and she was fine, but she had to go to to a slaughterhouse the next day. Oh, and how old and then, are you? Like, and how Cindy do you, was even bigger. How do you, at this age, how do you process what happened? Like, how old are you when this happens? I was ten or eleven, I think. I think it was ten. And how did, what did that feel like? What was that experience well, like for you? She was a pet. Uh, what'd you say? No, she you wasn't knew, really a You pet, knew what you know. the ultimate yeah. design was for course, her life. Of course. Okay. I, you I worked knew in that. Yeah. You worked there. And, and when you live on a farm, you know, oh. death is something that you see, you a know, lot. frequently. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially back there when people couldn't afford uh, veterinarians or they just weren't around. Oh, yeah. Or um, witnessing birth. That's another thing that happens to assist in, in the birth of yes. calves or, or piglets or, or whatever. So um, life and death is something that is just uh, par for the course at that point. Wow. But not for humans. But not for humans. Oh, my goodness. That's devastating. And then Cindy, what does she do? Cindy was even bigger than, that, than, than Mommy was. So I kept Cindy around for a little while longer and um, ended up uh, selling her to another farm, two farms over. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they bred her because she was just absolutely huge. She was over 900 pounds. Wow. Those are... They don't look like pigs. Like the conventional ones you see on TV, they don't look like that. Oh. They, they don't look like... Yeah. Their backs are like this. I mean, they're, oh. they're unbelievably big. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I remember you saying why you were so happy to get to boot camp. There's many reasons that you were so excited to be at boot camp, obviously, to get out of an environment that, I don't know, was harmful. It was traumatic. But I didn't know trauma at the time because I had right. nothing to compare it to. Right. So I didn't know it was traumatic. And in my mind, I That's knew other huge. people lived differently, right? That's huge. Children experiencing trauma that don't know it's trauma. It's just normal. And right. This I didn't have what, anything to compare it to. This is what to. we all do. And my cousins were in a very similar kind of uh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, so it just seemed normal. I knew there was something different. I knew there was something bigger. I knew there was something better. Innately, I knew this. Right. I just didn't know what it looked like because I didn't have any examples. Right. And you didn't have, like, your television no. exposure wasn't, you know. And this is the 60s. 60s and 70s, yeah. But you didn't. It's like a backwards 
society, even though there was televisions and color TV and all this stuff for everybody else. It's not like well, you for guys. For some people. That's what I'm know. saying. It's not like you guys had that. No, it was such a rural exposure. area. Yeah, it was a rural area. We had a, a party line telephone system. And for those who don't know what that is, <laughs> that is one telephone line that is several miles long that services several different households. So the only way that you know an incoming call is yours is by the ringtone. Mm. Ours, for example, was uh, too short and three long. Mm. Some people couldn't afford to have the phone in their house. So the phone literally sat on a pole next to the road. And if it rang, they would have to run out of their house to go answer the phone. Um, but we didn't have much for entertainment. So what people would do is pick up the telephone receiver and just listen to everybody else's <laughs> conversations because that was the only entertainment you had. Yeah, no. You know, but it was interesting because there was nothing else literally right. to do. Didn't have TV. <laughs> and what could they do about it? Not that, a thing. I'll call you back because it's just, just going to happen again. Yeah, just yell. Or, or somebody would pick up, get off the line. I'm trying to make a call. Oh, that's funny. You know, um, but, so that's that was one of the things that, you know, some people did for entertainment was the eavesdropping under people's conversations because there's no way to prevent it. Wow. And we didn't even, well, I'm not even going to get into that, but <laughs> it was it was an interesting time. And then you get to boot camp and you're just like, Oh, wow. You know, people were so critical of the food and boot camp. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is fantastic. <laughs> so wow. the first time I got in trouble um, in boot camp, um, we're sitting in the, in the mess hall. We only get 10 minutes to eat. Yeah. And I think I was eating chicken or something. And I grabbed one of the chicken bones and I threw it under the table thinking that our household dog would be there to <laughs> eat the chicken bones. And that just didn't work out like that because I completely forgot. So I got in trouble for that. But um, that was the first time I got in trouble. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's crazy. And then you started meeting people. I did, and that was really interesting too because where I grew up, um, interestingly, I never saw, I didn't even know there was such a thing as black people yeah. until I was six years old. Yeah. And this is one of the times where um, the family had to go, uh, we had to go fishing because we didn't have anything to eat. And um, my dad drove us off-road um, next to the Erie Canal, which mm -hmm. is a canal that was dug in 1812 yeah. um, to transport goods uh, across uh, New York State. Mm -hmm. So we were fishing for carp, and for those of you who don't know what carp is, it's, it's a koi fish. It's a wild koi fish, mm -hmm. but they're not colorful. They're kind of dark gray, and they're kind of ugly-looking fish with gigantic scales. Um, and not many people ate them, but, um, but we did. And... My dad got the car stuck, and lo and behold, here comes two black men out of the bushes, out of nowhere, no shirts on, and big machetes. And I was absolutely fascinated because I didn't know people were black. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. This is crazy. So I'm in the back seat of the car with my siblings. Um, I'm six years old at the time. And um, my dad got out of the car, and um, I was just absolutely fascinated. So I'm looking out the back window. I'm standing up in the back. And yeah. And my mom starts smacking me on the back of the head and on top of my head saying, get down, get down, they're monsters. Mm. Get down, mm. they're monsters. Mm. Not realizing that they're chopping down bushes to stick under my dad's tires underneath his car. To help you get To out. help get out. And that was the first time I'd ever seen a black man uh, in my life. Wow. And it was um, absolutely incredible because where I come from, everybody looked like me. Yeah, yeah. So... 
Flash forward a little bit. I'm in elementary school. Oh, third Lord. grade. Here, Here we go. We go. <laughs> he just had to bring this F up. Oh, little, I'm little just Sarah kidding. Peterson. Little Sarah Stop Peterson. It. I'm just joking. Little, Forgive me, Lord. Yeah, little Sarah Peterson was this cute <laughs> little black girl. I'd never seen a black girl before. Oh. Um, and she wore the same thing to school every day. She wore a white <laughs> turtleneck and a little blue corduroy dress. And she had two braids with little dingle balls on the end and black patent leather shoes. And these little white tights. And um, I was to represent my school at, uh, at a local spelling bee. Mm-hmm. And, and you like Sarah Peterson so Well, so it came much, down huh? to, it didn't came you down like Sarah, to Sarah Peterson? Well, wait, I'm getting there. Because you ex- you, if you can tell me today what she has on and you tell this story the same, <laughs> every time he knows her first and last name, he tells me every mm-hmm. article of clothing down to her dingle balls in her hair, as he calls them. <laughs> You must have really been fond. Well, when it came time to represent the school, <laughs> Sarah Peterson beat me in a semifinal. Of what? Uh, the spelling bee. Mm-hmm. And she kissed me <laughs> on my cheek. And I haven't been the same ever since. I'm telling y'all, little Sarah Peterson was something. <laughs> Why is that so funny to you? <laughs> I haven't been this. I can just see little Roger and little Sarah Peterson because you describe her so well. Mm-hmm. I can see this cute little, well dressed, little, sweet little black girl who's highly intelligent. She beat you in a spelling test. I mean, in a spelling bee. And she goes and kisses you, oh. and you're just like, just re- beat red. Oh, and yeah. you're just like, oh my goodness. I was mad and I was crying, <laughs> and she comes over and kisses on me, and I was like, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> What's that? Too little. You're eight years old. I was, eight, eight? Years, I was eight years old, yeah. <laughs> little Sarah Peterson. So cute. So, so um, precious. But I didn't even realize until I got to boot camp, mm. there was such a thing as Filipinos and Latinos. Yeah. Never knew they even existed because they just weren't part of the makeup from where I come from. You know, demographically, they just, it just wasn't any, there was no exposure for me for that kind of thing. What I knew was um, Italians and mm-hmm. Irish mm-hmm. and Polish. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the mm-hmm. city over from um, that town where I grew up in had like these invisible lines okay. that were painted in the city. So if you were Italian, you lived in one quadrant. Mm-hmm. If you were um, Irish, you lived in another. Mm-hmm. And if you were something else, you lived in a different quarter and nobody trespassed into each other's quarters or else there would be hell to pay. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't even realize that... Uh, there was such a thing as Filipinos or Latinos until I got to boot camp. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. That's crazy. And to hear their experiences and some of their experiences were aligned with some of my experiences. So wow. I tend to gravitate uh, at that time to people who looked different than me, the people who were different than me, whose backgrounds were different than mine. Wow. That's interesting because I hear so many times that people who um, who have lack of exposure or, if you will, an ignorance about other cultures, other races, other ethnicities. And usually when they see them, is that wine good for you, baby? You just poured yourself a little glass. <laughs> I sure did. Why, why you got to bust me out like that? Because it was all loud and carrying on. <laughs> but no, when you see um, these people come into contact with one another, sometimes out of ignorance and lack of exposure, people are fearful. They're afraid. And they 
react and respond out of fear, but you were intrigued. Not only was I intrigued, but I didn't really fear anything at that point in my life. Oh, that's true. In fact, I fear very little even now. Yeah. Um, And being um, in the military gave me great exposure to different kinds of cultures. Yeah. Um, And of course, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a foodie. So one of the easiest ways for me to um, to get to know a culture is through its food. Yeah. So the first time I was in Lebanon, or the first time I was in Italy, or the first time I was in Africa, um, was great for me. Yeah. You know, I, I welcomed the experiences with open arms. Yes. And um, with with a hungry belly because I just gravitate towards um, the experiences of other people. Yeah. The um, experiences of other foods, of architecture, of art, of music. I really enjoy these things. And that's, uh, I think, one of the greatest educations a young person can have is to travel as extensively as they possibly can internationally. Yeah. With an open mind and with an open heart. Definitely. And exposure to other things other than what you're used to, what you're used to seeing, is actually the most enlightening and that's where you really see, you can hear your heartbeat when you're you amongst other people and you're being embraced by other people. And I think that's why you and I connect so much, both of us being well-traveled and, un- and understanding and respecting other cultures, other ethnicities and other ways of life. There's not just, we're not just one dimensional on this earth. There's so many things that we can experience and so many conversations to be had about our experiences because other cultures, other ethnicities, their, their life um, travels and experiences are completely different. You well, know? well, they are. And, you know, we rely as people mm-hmm. on, on the storytelling and the sharing of experiences with one another. Yeah. Um, because the truth is we can't live long enough to have every experience ourselves. Right. So we have to live sometimes a little bit vicariously through others um, in their storytelling and their story sharing. Yeah. So that uh, we can get greater insight, not only to other peoples and cultures, but to ourselves as well. Truly, truly. I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate that about you. You always, and it's funny, in a room, you always can talk to everyone you can have a conversation with anyone and you're always fascinated by the people that you meet and i appreciate that i truly do well thank you and and you're one too who when you fall into a room you just command attention in a different kind of way but you do get the opportunity to uh, expose yourself and to be exposed to other people's experiences well what i love the most about um everything that you you're talking about here with you know, the people that you've met and stuff. Um, we've been together for many years now. We have. And throughout our relationship, we're coming up on 15 years of knowing each other. And throughout our relationship, at various times, it's so cool because you will be somewhere, and usually at a job, you'll be working somewhere, and someone will come up to you and say, um, hey, Mr. Roger, <laughs> do you remember me from... Oh, that happens so frequently, and it just blows my mind, and I feel embarrassed because most times I don't remember. I know, know but... Uh, these are 20, 30 years, you know, previous, and it's like, oh, my God. But they're all... Fr- most of them are from the military, and they're mostly men of color. 
Mostly. That come up to you. You know, on a, you know, like 90% of the time, they're men of color and all different. Mm-hmm. And they have this, it's like they have this beautiful um, memory of, and they remember you. They do. Like you made such an impact on their lives. And I always love hearing these mm-hmm. stories and witnessing, you know, you're so humble. So you're, you, it brings you to tears sometimes. Yeah, I bust you up. Yeah, you did. Because you just can't <laughs> believe the things that they say, and they say such the kindest things. And just to know, for me, that you were, you've been in survival mode since you were born, literally, yeah. probably while in utero. And these people are telling all of this, you helped me. I mean, I've heard all of these different things come out of these people's mouths saying, you know, you really impacted my life, and you showed me this, and you taught me that. And even today, you still get that. But I'm saying for you to have this type of impact on people back then, when you are in survival mode, when you're thinking, I'm going to take these crazy missions because I may not make it and I'm going to go down fighting or, you know, you have this, you have this dichotomy of connecting with the ones around you, but at the same time, while inside you are you're not in the loving, mushy space at this time in your life. You are straight in survival mode at all times. You don't know any other mode. I didn't. In you- fact, I didn't realize that I was in survival mode um, until we started dating. Yeah. That was in my 40s. Yeah. I didn't even realize it because that was, that was normal for me. Right. Survival was my normal. Yeah. And I didn't really comprehend anything outside of that, which is why I never knew panic I couldn't afford to have panic when you're in survival mode. You can't. Yeah. You have to be able to think and reason and yeah. think on your feet and move. And, move. Yeah. Yeah. and um, so panic was foreign to me. Yeah. Almost to the point where we almost weren't. Right. You can tell it. Because I never <laughs> knew panic. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, now that I know it, I don't want to revisit it. Right. Um, because that's not a, a comfortable place for me. Yeah. But I had no idea that's what it was. Right. After all those years. Yeah. And you were in the military 13 and a half? 13 and a half years, yeah. And and I've gone through all kinds of things. And, I, and I've suffered all kinds of pain and all kinds of yeah. uh, injuries and things of such. But nothing surprised me like panic. I'd never known panic prior to that. Well, don't make him think I was like, beating you up or something i didn't do no. it i i had no idea you were in a form of panic well okay when you met me that's Mr. true survivor that's true you so. didn't and i didn't either yeah because i wasn't looking for you uh, yeah. and you weren't looking for me definitely not and you know you talk about that uh impeccable timing yeah and that's what it was right yeah and yeah. when i got it really truly felt like a lightning bolt struck me in the top of my head and something awoken inside of me that I never knew. And I panicked because I, this is a feeling I'm not, I'm not familiar with. Something jump-started. It was almost like, you know when you see on the TV, on um, some of these TV shows where you see the paramedic comes in with the paddles and they're like, clear, bzzz, yeah. and, they, and he zaps somebody? It was kind of like that. But and the body the, jumps yeah, like that. but yeah. it was kind of like that on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the lightning struck the top of my head, the very first thing that I heard is the next one who walks through the door is yours. Mm. And that was you. 
and I didn't understand why I was hearing this, and I didn't understand what I was feeling, and I didn't know what was going on, which is really unusual for me because I usually have pretty good control of my emotions and my feelings and yeah. of my surroundings and my situations, and this was completely foreign to me. Wow. Well, you know, there's a first time for everything. And that's what they say, but, you know, here we are 15 years later. <laughs> so it was good. It was good. Yeah. But back to survivor, surviving, survival. Um, your story tells a lot of that. And yes, when we met, you hadn't uh, really put language to the fact that you were living in survival mode. And it was a transition for us oh, yeah. to come into... Um, <laughs> we had double transitions. You were transitioning from the awareness first and the acknowledgement that I've been in survival mode all of these years. And I was transitioning from being a serial independent woman. And now what's this going to look like with this? You know, no one's ever been here for me. I've been here for myself. I've been here doing what I need to do. If it needs to get done, I'll hang the picture. I have a toolbox that I still give you flack about when I'm missing the hammer or someone's taken mm -hmm. the hammer. We won't say any names. He's upstairs <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, 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 it was two, two grown people transitioning from spaces that I knew I was there, but I really didn't know the depths of what that was meaning and how much I loved my space and all that stuff, you know. But you were transitioning, understanding that you were in survival mode. And love. I didn't, I didn't have room for it in my life. Yeah. You know, I didn't have room for love. Um, when you're in survival mode, all of your thoughts, all of your emotions, all of your actions um, are very focused. Uh -huh. And there wasn't space. They're like calculated. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know me, I'm a very strategic thinker. Yes, and you are. And as part of being... Uh, able to survive yeah. you have to have a strategy in place always and um, that serves me well in in my profession yeah um, and so do some of my survival skills I find myself frequently in, in emergency situations in my uh, in my profession and um, mm -hmm. when I receive a phone call in the middle of the night because there's an emergency mm -hmm. I can snap right too and yeah, um, and and you've witnessed this I can ascertain, discern, come up with a corrective action plan mm -hmm. immediately out of, a deep sleep. out of a deep sleep Yeah, in a, in a matter of seconds. Yeah. Um, so I still have those skills in the back of my mind someplace Yeah. that I still exercise. But you utilize them in a different way. I do. I do. And you utilize them in the positive way. And so this is, this is where I want to get to is that, you know, and he works in healthcare, so he works in hospitals. Um, what I want to get to is that, you know, those skills in, in a lot of seasons, uh, for the most part of your life, they were, um, they were, uh, they helped you survive and get through. But the circumstances weren't always ones that you would have chosen, you know, just because life is great and this is a great thing to do right now. They were out of survival. But you still those skill sets are a part of you. They're a part of the fabric of your being. And, and um, 
the beautiful thing that we get to do is when we are a certain way, you know, when we are, uh, we grow up a certain way, we grow up um, becoming, as we're becoming, if we get, and if it's a negative um, reason that we're becoming that way, if we get to get to the other side, to the positive, to the good, we still bring those skill sets along with us and we get to utilize them differently. And now let them serve you instead of imprison you, if you, know, you will. It's interesting you say that because um, they don't serve me. I know. They serve the people that I serve. That's right, baby. Oh. You know, I was able to take those skill sets and utilize them in a very different fashion. Yeah. Almost polar opposite yeah. from, from where I was previously. Um, a little while ago, you were speaking about transitions. And one of the transitions that I was going through about the same time that I met you was trying to ascertain exactly what my purpose was. Yeah. Exactly what my reason for being was. Yeah. Um, once I was out of the military, one of the things that they didn't do at the time is they didn't allow for any kind of transition. Yeah. Literally, when my time was up, I got a bus ticket mm. back to Hillbilly Land where I came from. Yeah. And that was that. And uh, there wasn't any allowance for any kind of transition. And I had no clue because I was a kid when I went in yeah. and I was an adult male when I got out. Right. And I didn't really know exactly how the world worked. Yes. So I had to figure that out very, very quickly. But part of that was uh, me trying to discover and ascertain a specific, finite reason why I'm here. Yeah. And what my purpose and what my calling is. And it drove me crazy for a little while. Really? For, for quite some period of time, it did. And then I realized I have to back up a little bit and I have to look at this um, at the macro level. Mm. And I determined that if I can leave this earth a little better than I found it, yeah. if I can leave a positive imprint on someone or if I can contribute positively to somebody's outcome, yeah. that's my purpose. Yeah. And when that settled into my heart, I didn't realize that I was already doing that, being yeah. in healthcare. Yeah. Healthcare was not an intentional choice for me. Uh. It was literally, it fell into my lap. You talk about um, God's timing. Yeah. I took um, the particular skills that I had, and I was able to transfer those into healthcare, unbelievably. Because mm -hmm. you were engin engineering? I was in engineering. And, um, in the military? In the military. Uh -huh. and, um, Working on the, the big sh ships? I started off working on the big ships See, and big I power remembered. plants. You do, you do, I'm you do. I'm doing good. And then, you know, I transitioned into um, uh, a different modality. Mm -hmm. um, but those initial skills I was able to exercise yeah. and to implement um, in healthcare of all places. So now I wow. find myself uh, operating in my calling. I'm contributing positively to people's outcomes. Yeah. Every life that I come into contact with, I hope that I leave a positive imprint. Yeah. Um, and some of that is because that's my nature, but some of that is trying to atone for some of the things that I had done yeah. uh, in my previous life. So um, I'm blessed to be able to operate uh, within my calling. Yeah. Um, and healthcare is my world. And Most although I'm not is. appreciative <laughs> of the of the business aspect of it, just, right. it's just a caring for for humans and the sacred encounters that we have yes. with everybody that uh, I come into contact with are extraordinarily important to me. When you say that uh, you're not in favor of the business side of it, I think of churches. 
exactly. the same it's the same concept it's there to help souls it's to help the church not talking about the body of Christ right. i'm talking about the building where you go and you can have community and you can worship and you can get a word i mean the intention there is beautiful but the business of it makes it it's a turnoff for a lot of people and the human uh there's greed and stuff like that that plagues some some churches mm-hmm. and, and i agree with you and that's one of the least attractive things about it i think yes. it's great that you know a church the, the building um not the body of christ is an emergency room for souls yeah and and a rehab have, center it is it's both it is, it is. and to have to be guilted into paying for those services is reprehensible to me. Well, that or the business aspect. It of shouldn't it. be. They shouldn't be services if we're if they're really representing the deity. Exactly. Um, if they are representative of God, we're we're here to love on one another, mm-hmm. and that's what we should. I, I, you don't have to pay me to love you. Exactly. I just exactly. do. I just will. So yeah, that's a that's a parallel that I hear when you say that. But um, I I think this is so beautiful, and I love that you. Um, it took you a long time to share a lot that you've shared today, and um, I think a lot of people coming from a type a similar background that you have. And again, I'm always details are always different. It can be the polar opposite. It could be a, a little black kid in South Central who has no food, who has no parents at home, who's helping to raise the family. You know, it could be a Latino kid in East L.A., you know, or in Michigan or in Wisconsin, another. The point is that when you go through these things, and I'd never, I never, I didn't understand it at first because you, when you finally opened up to me about it, and I looked at you and you were like, I don't tell a lot of people this. I, I don't like to talk about it because people treat you differently when That's they true. find out That's true. that you've come from these sort of beginnings. It's absolutely true. And you had experienced so much of that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You have to tell because someone's going through this. Someone has this similar background and they need hope. They need to know, hey, you know what? I went through that too. There is no shame attached to what you've been able to accomplish, what you've survived, and what you've been through. There is zero shame attached to that. And I told you, shame on those people for treating you differently. Obviously, they weren't supposed to be in your life. And, and they're not. <laughs> so that's, that's that. They're not. Um, I didn't realize um, until you had made mention of it that other people could find value in my story. I didn't see oh that. Gosh. And um, even to this day, it still baffles me a little bit. I have greater insight. Okay. Um, but it still baffles me a little bit. Um, you know, I started in one place. Yeah. And here I am in a different place. Completely. And, and the commonality here is, is twofold. One, that I was able to transfer survival skills yeah. into something meaningful and productive Mm-hmm. Um, and helpful for other people. Yeah. And two, I didn't see God's hand in it mm. until I met you. Wow. I just didn't. Wow. 
I know we used to have conversations, a lot of conversations in the beginning because you would talk a lot about the atonement. Absolutely. And you felt like once you got into the space of what you thought was an, not only escape, but like you said, if I'm going to go down, might as well go down fighting for my country. And you, you saw a different perspective while in there. I did. You saw a different perspective coming out. And this is why my, my heart bleeds for people coming out of the military without, we're getting better, <laughs> but they didn't have any PTSD. I mean, for the things that you sure. have had to sure. go through and, and the men and women go through in that space and that you experience and that you do, there's no, everyone Every single one needs debrief period. They need a time for, and this is not a week or a day conversation. No. They no, need some not. time to readjust and to have people and feel like they're in a safe place, not just, oh, how are you doing today? Do you feel, you know what I'm yeah, saying? And not yeah. rushing through that process, but allowing them to really go through and experience the coming down, the letdown, if you will, you know, of being yeah. over there. And, um, I just think that it's 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 beautiful that you were able to do that and that you are going to speak about it because you would tell me that you would I'm atoning for for those things and you take it so seriously. I do. You are very intentional about that. You don't play when it comes to your world of hospital health care. And helping, you know, what you do and helping um, that building function and making sure that the patient experience is one that they can, all the doctors can operate at their top top level because the building is operating and functioning and your team and how you treat your team and how you train. Like you're very thorough and you're very intentional about that. I am, and there's a legal and a regulatory stuff that goes along with that. Yeah, lots um, and lots and lots and lots of that. A lot of stuff like that. But um, one of the things um, that I had learned, um, and I think is, is absolutely despicable, that these military recruiters mm. are actively seeking and literally hunting down these young people from 18 to 34. Mm. And I didn't realize at the time why that specific age range, that specific um, group of people, were so valuable to them. Okay. Until I got to 34, 35, 36 years old, and I realized that um, we're kids. Yeah. We're kids. And I didn't realize um, what war accomplishes. Yeah. And war doesn't solve anything. Yeah. It really and truly doesn't. War does two things. It makes... A few people really wealthy, and it makes a lot of people really dead. Mm. It doesn't do anything else. It really doesn't. Mm. And I'm not going to go into a tirade, and I'm not disrespecting the people who are out there on the front lines. God bless you people. Yes. I feel you. I know Your what you're families. going through. Yeah. Um, I wish you nothing but the best outcomes. I wish that you come home safely. Yes. And happy and whole. Yeah. Um, and that you have resources for whatever you need when you get back. Exactly. And your family has resources. Exactly. And and it, you get the respect that you deserve. Yes. A lot of people don't oh. understand what it is that we go through yeah. Talk when we're on the it. front lines. Yep. And the sacrifices that we have to make, not only of ourselves, 
physically and emotionally and personally, but of our family lives and of our children yeah. and of our parents. Right. Um, the, the price that we pay is very, very high. In fact, it's too high. Mm. It really and truly is. To not be respected, honored, and, re- and, and I don't want to say compensated or rewarded, but to be acknowledged when you come out of it, you know, we saw a lot of that back in the, before I was even born, how, how the, how the military, um, our militaries were, were being treated when they got home, the veterans. And the vets are being, are just, they're just, oh, thank you for your service. What does that do for all that you just said? It doesn't, it doesn't undo. It doesn't undo. The, the, the acts of war mm-hmm. and the yeah. uh, missions and things that we're required to to uh, undertake. Yeah. It doesn't undo that. It doesn't erase the memories. Right. It doesn't erase the feelings. Right. Um, it doesn't undo any of that. And I think that's why there's such a strong, beautiful camaraderie against servicemen and women. Like when you see each other, you we, we you, understand. Yeah, we truly understand. You do, and you and it's a beautiful thing. Like, oh, I serve this branch. I serve this branch. You know, everyone has like their. You know, I like that part. Yeah. I love to see that amongst the brothers and sisters of the military. So, wow. So you mentioned, um, and we talked about it. You and I have talked about it extensively, but. You mentioned um, the impact of God in your surviving and how being in that space, you didn't even realize. How did that, how has God impacted your surviving? I'll ask you because I already know, but. Well, this, this is a really interesting question because um, when you're in it, sometimes you can't see it. Of course. And a spiritual element did you have? No, I was under the impression, uh, at least within myself, that yeah. there was something bigger than me. I didn't uh-huh. know what that looked like. I right. couldn't identify it. You used to say that all the time when we first it, met. There's true. something bigger, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, just call him. Call him by his name. <laughs> Put exactly. some respect on his name. And, and, and I didn't know how to articulate that. <laughs> yeah, but, but I you no, know we were good. <laughs> You know, you made mention of survival, and, and the fact is that I've come through things and I've overcome things that defy any other rational or possible explanation. Yes. There's absolutely no reason why I should be sitting here right now speaking to you. Yeah. You know, and it isn't because of the skill sets that I've been able to develop, and it isn't because I have a um, special hedge of protection around me. Well. Okay. It, it was. It's bigger than me, mm-hmm. much bigger than me, which leads me to um, knowing that my purpose here isn't over. My assignment here from him mm-hmm. is not complete. Yeah. I've been able to have the good fortune to be exposed to a lot of different kind of people. Yeah. Not really understanding how much that I've been able to impact them in their yeah. journeys. Yeah. You know. Um, there's two people in particular that I can think of, and those are our kids. Yeah. And I was never going to have kids because my childhood was of such that I was going to break the chain. And I knew that as a young boy. Yeah. As an eight-year-old, I wasn't going to have kids. I'm not qualified. Um, I'm going to break the chain. If I don't have any kids, there can be no possibility for any kind of repeated cycle, any mm. kind of... Um, 
extended family type of um, curse, if you will. Yeah. Um, a generational curse. Right, right, right. So if I had no kids, that wouldn't be possible. Right. But here I am with two lovely kids that I absolutely love and adore. They are... They occupy special places in my heart. They really and truly do. If you could take, like, the outline of my daughter and cut it out on a piece of paper, right? And you plug that over my heart, she fits that spot. And only Mm -hmm. she can fit that. My son, exactly the same thing. Only he can fit that spot. Nobody else can occupy the space that those two hold in my heart. And your space is uh, especially different. So... Knowing and understanding the love of a child, yeah, wow, never, I didn't even know that I needed that, let alone right. what it was like. I never got the opportunity to have a childhood, so yeah, completely astonishing the way that feels. Yeah, and when you met us, they were little, tiny. They were little, yeah. yeah. And you've done an amazing job. And as, you know what? what? They accepted me. Yeah. They accepted me. Yep. The guy who wasn't qualified. Mm-hmm. The guy who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, the survivor guy. The survivor guy. And they accepted me. And they took me in. It wasn't the other way around. Mm. At first. It's crazy. The whole, it's, that's a whole nother episode we'll get to. Um, But um, I often remember us talking about you not knowing you would say I think there's you know I know there's something bigger out there than me and the further we discussed the further we got in the further we courted and um over the years you've come to understand um that God was not some guy in the clouds and I remember I would I remember the very first time I told you you know I think it was in the same conversation when I first said you've been in survival mode this is love. You, there is no need to be in survival mode here. You're protected. You're safe. And I was telling you that God has gotten you through. From infancy to right this second. You just true. didn't know it it's was true. him. And so many people think, oh, I don't know God. I don't know anything about God. I, don't, I haven't been raised to go to church or no one has imparted to me. Just because you don't know who he is doesn't invalidate who he is. It doesn't, it doesn't stop his power. It doesn't stop what he does for you. You're still his child. He still claims you as his own. And you will get to the point where you will know you're, that you are his. And, when, and it's almost even more cool when you can look back when you weren't raised in church. And when you weren't, um, you know, both ways are as powerful. Being raised up in it to know and then not knowing. And then one day. You get to look back and say, oh, my God. And I told you, and, and we were having a very passionate <laughs> conversation. And I was saying, who do you think helped you with those skill sets? Who helped you master those skill sets? Who helped you survive those bombings? That wasn't on you, all on you. And no, you were absolutely like, absolutely not. I, I, I get that. I can see that. You know, and then how we came together. This is not on us. No. You know, so I think it's important that people realize that no matter, like, that's what's so profound and so powerful and impactful, no matter what it has looked like, what your current situation is, what has gone on for 40 years, for 10 years, for five minutes. 
If you're still here, there's more. If you're still here and you made it through, he was with you. There's evil. There's heinous. There's trauma. There's all kinds of things. But there's also God. There is. And one of the things that you say is, as long as you're drawing breath, you're still part of his plan. Yeah. I wish he'd let me know what that plan is, (laughs) because that would be really helpful. I want to do the best job that I possibly can. That's, but this is your man. This is your male <laughs> mind. I want to know what he. Listen, can it be a surprise? Mm. Can it be step? That's what faith is. If he would let you know, you would need faith to trust him. That's what faith is all about, my love. I hear you. I just want to be the best that I can be but at whatever are. my assignment is. You are, and the and what I say to that is, you just be the best you can be in every moment that you're showing up to, because as there is a scripture that says you never know when you're entertaining angels. You never know who you're depositing into. And it's so sweet that he gives you the sweetest forehead kiss by sending these mills back to you to say, I remember you. You taught me and you don't know how you impacted my life. That's how most of those conversations I've heard go. And I think that's always just, you know, when we, when we are depositing in this world, it is not our right to get to see the fruit that we're putting, the seeds we're planting, to get to see the fruit or the harvest. That's not our right. Our right right is to be obedient. Our responsibility is to be obedient to what he tells us to do. And so in doing so, let's just show up. That's why it's important that we show up whole. We show up as healed as we possibly can. And even when we're not healed, that we have humility, that we're humble, and we can show up to a space and be open to someone imparting to us, giving us something, depositing into us, and we can be willing to deposit into them, you know? And I think you do that incredibly well. I remember um, I (laughs) I used to mess with you, and I would say, you don't get jealous, do you? (laughs) you don't get jealous you don't get you don't get upset you're just always even keel you know and you'd be like no I do get jealous I just temper it because I know what that means for me I don't want that to come out and I do get upset but when you've been through the things your exact words when you've been through the things that I've been through you, you decide and ain't nothing can rile me up that's right that's right and make me feel, and make me, you know, get excited. And I've seen you in some pretty interesting situations, <laughs> and it, you held held true to what you said. And yeah. I think that's huge that you could come from all of the things that you've witnessed and been through, and come to the knowing and acknowledging that God was there with me. He did help me, and you know what? After all that, I'm gonna remain here. Because that's where I operate best from. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you know that. I do. I, I do wish more that. people would get into that knowing of themselves. I think we all operate well there. Well, and I think that's true, too. And I think that's one of the most important things that, you know, um, young people can do. Yeah. Is um, to live by themselves yeah. for a period of time. So yeah, they get to know themselves. That. That's very important. You know, in their early 20s, perhaps. Yeah. Um, because if you don't know who you are, how can you expect someone else to know who you are and to help you in that process? Yeah, you have to know what you choose, what you like, and not 
be so reliant on everybody else telling you or directing you and steering you. You got to steer yourself, and then you're like, okay. Right, because you have to you have to bring something to the table. Yeah. None of us are ever entirely complete, and we can't rely on somebody else to fill in the gaps. Right. We have to do that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in that process, we have something to offer. Yeah. Um, so being on that path of self-improvement and growth and development and self-awareness and introspect and retrospect is is helpful in in the big picture of who we are and who we want to become. So what if you learned about God in your short time of learning about him because it wasn't there in the earlier, you know, it was after your 40s. So what what have you learned about him that you maybe didn't know or wish you would have known or what have you learned about how he is as a God, as a father, as well, a friend? The first thing that comes to mind um, for me is his ways are not my ways. <laughs> because if I was left to my own devices, oh my God. Jeez. His ways are not my ways. Okay. And I don't understand his ways sometimes. But yeah. ultimately, um, it comes out for the good, for the greater good. Yeah. Even if there's some growing pains yeah even if there's some steps that have to be take that have to be taken even if there is uh, different levels of perhaps ascension yeah um his ways are not my ways in my profession um in healthcare, um he's saw it fit for me to be successful at faith-based healthcare. Yeah. yes and where I'm at currently, um, there, there's a couple of mantras, but one of those is that uh, every encounter is a sacred encounter. Yeah. And that statement really resonated with me. Yeah. And it's not necessarily patient to caregiver. It's also caregiver to caregiver. Yes. Oh, that's good. You know, so every encounter is a sacred encounter. Yeah. Um, the other mantra that this particular organization has is know me care for me and ease my way yeah like that and it's like wow you know what a way to live mm. know me care for me ease my way and allow me to do that for you yeah and Oof. that's why i'm particularly aligned with this organization rendering health care to everyone who needs it oh you know that's one of my favorite ones the know me care me ease my get to care for me ease my way because you, again, we're in a world, we're in a world of people hurting people they don't know. Mm-hmm. They're hurting them. They're killing them, actually. And to know someone means you have to spend time with them. You have to be intentional. You have to look in their eyes. You have to look in their heart. You have to look in their life. And you have to let them see yours. Mm-hmm. So know me brings the caring if you get to know me you may care just because i could just because you've known me i wish we could do more of that and then ease my way in and through this world and then since you care for me naturally you'd want to ease my way you don't want me to have harm you want to help me you want to be in servitude absolutely and one of the things that your heart is definitely a heart of service and you serve all that you come into contact with me, the kids, our family, you're always ready with an answer. 
I always say you and I both were problem solvers. We that's are. A, that's our we are. one of our missions and calls here. That's why we do it so quickly and efficiently. We do. This has been a beautiful conversation, as many of our conversations are. I thank you so much for braving through it because you were nervous, <laughs> yeah. extremely nervous. I've never seen you so nervous. You're so funny. And it doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't, but I can't wait till next time. Well, maybe you won't be as nervous. <laughs> I hope not. But I look forward to doing this again, and I'm thankful for um, your transparency and your vulnerability. And I love because what I can see in your growth is how you tell these stories now. You used to tell them and there was a lot of shifting of your body and a lot your body language was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable talking about it because you still weren't sure what the audience, whoever you were speaking to, being the audience, not an actual arena or something, whoever your audience that you were speaking to, you still weren't quite sure if they were going to turn on you after you told, after you shared. And now you're just in your GQ swap, Devin, you're just uh, over here just telling your stories with such confidence and acknowledgement of, hey, this is what I went through and I'm still here. So thank you for your deposit today. And um, yeah, this was a little different for me today. It was. <laughs> you're over here like a little girl. And, and thank you for having me on your show. And- <laughs> giving me an opportunity to share my experiences and Absolutely. Um, I just so love you I love this platform no. um, I love all of the shows that I've heard so far yeah. and your guests you. um, I'm fortunate to be able to to know these guests yeah and they've been absolutely phenomenal yes some good depositing going on here in impartations you know that's that's all that's what he wanted that's God's way yeah I could go on forever. But anyway, everyone, I hope you enjoyed and were able to um, pick up something from our conversation today. Thank you for joining us. We have new episodes posting often. So, you know, click the subscribe button and please share um, if you think someone could benefit from what we've shared and discussed in in conversation today. Please share it with somebody that you know, that you care about, that you love and ease their way. Um, help them with their hope, help them with their perseverance, help them with their determination and their will to see things differently. You know, um, don't forget we are available at love-manifested.com. We have our survivors of the world. So line there and, um, you can connect with our other media outlets there as well. So all of you precious hearts out there, remember, as long as you have breath, There's something for you to do here. And it was God's plan on your life before you even took your first breath outside of your mother's womb. So focus and manifest love wherever you go. Until next time. Bye, everyone.